You're listening to Language Nerds Do Earth, the podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now, it's time for your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain, it's Patrice and Rachel. episode number 18. And this time we're going to give you some tips and some tricks for getting the most bang for your buck when you're traveling. Yeah, I really need this episode in my life, I think, because I'm not the smartest money saver (laughs) when it comes to travel. Do you tend to usually like spend a lot when you travel? I try the best I can to save money, but I don't fully implement all the tools that I feel there are out there. Mm. So this will be a good a good discussion for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think generally I'm a pretty cheap traveler, but I could probably use some some new tools and it's hard to keep up, you know, like when you're yeah. planning just a couple trips a year and you're not constantly traveling, it's hard to like keep up with all the new apps or the new trends and websites. Yeah, it can be a little bit overwhelming, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so first we'll go through some general overall tips about saving money in travel, including when you can book the cheapest tickets. So this is something that I think we all wonder about. Yeah, and then after that we'll give some of our personal tips and maybe some lessons that we've learned from our own experiences. We also have some travel apps and paid services that can save you a lot of money in the long run that we'll talk about. Yeah. And then we have a family lost in translation moment from Linus again in China. Mm Mm-hmm, awesome. We also have a comment that I wanted to share. If you remember in episode 14, the language news was different ways to smile for the camera. Yeah. And we posted the weekly language update on Instagram, and Taryn Tongues commented, and this person said, in China people say qiezi, which means eggplant. And if you say that qiezi, it's it does kind of, it also yeah. opens up your mouth. Qiezi. Yeah, for um, sure. It yeah. almost sounds like cheese. I mean, qi. Yeah. Qi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Huh. Yeah, and I did verify this with one of my Chinese friends here who said, yeah, a lot, some people say that. Nice. So, first of all, we've got our language news. Yes. This week, we found an article about how you can lose your native language. This was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really cool. Yeah. What would you have said before reading this? When I first saw the title of this article, I would have thought maybe only kids lose their native tongue. Mm-hmm. I've met people who had lost some of their native tongue, but not necessarily permanently. Right. But not totally. Right. What about you? Yeah, uh, probably something similar. I've heard of people, their first language as a child that they later moved to another country and they didn't speak that language anymore. And as an adult, they can't speak it at all. Yeah. But... As an adult, it's really hard to imagine, like, completely losing the language that you've spoken your entire life. Exactly. Yeah, but it turns out that it is possible to lose your native language, and it's often in the case of trauma mm-hmm. that this will happen. So, for example, 
a lot of German Jews who were able to get out of Germany during the Holocaust, especially if they had been through the Reichskristallnacht, mm-hmm. the night when the Nazis ruined all the synagogues, right. basically. Yeah, the ones who had been in Germany during that time, and I think had kind of started to realize how much their lives were in danger. Mm-hmm. A lot of them lost their native German tongue. Yeah, what the article talks about is that so losing the language didn't really have to do with how long people had been away from their home country. It was related more to the trauma. So the people who left earlier during the Nazi occupation still spoke German quite well. But those mm-hmm. who experienced a lot more trauma, it was sort of repressed because even though German was the language of their like home and childhood and family. The article said it was also the language of extreme trauma and painful memories. Yeah, exactly. That was really interesting. Yeah. It also talked about Cubans moving to to Florida Mm -hmm. and Spaniards moving to the UK. So Spaniards moving to the UK spoke a lot less Spanish and they felt that they weren't able to speak Spanish very well anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Cubans moved to Miami, Florida. Yeah. Yeah, to Miami. And they spoke Spanish all the time. Yeah. So the Spanish people who were speaking English more, they kept the basic underlying grammar. And I think it said basically like a quick trip home could pretty much restore the way that they spoke. Yeah. And they maintained their grammar and their style of speaking very well from Spain. Right. Whereas the Cubans in Miami were speaking Spanish all the time, but to people from Mexico, from Colombia, so their dialect changed a little bit. So when they went back home, people said they sounded more Mexican or more Colombian. Yeah, that was super interesting how that changed. Yeah, Yeah, it's weird. Like, living abroad, I'm around different speakers of English. Mm -hmm. So, Brits, Australians, mostly. Right. And sometimes I find myself saying, yeah, things that I would never have said before. Exactly. Like, either vocabulary or grammatical or slang, even. And I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I say it, and I'm like, oh, God, no! Like, oh, that was so British! (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have started saying football instead of soccer. Oh, I definitely say football. No hate to British yeah. speakers, but it's just, I love British dialect, but... Me too. But it's not mine, so it feels really weird to start speaking differently. Yeah, it's very trippy. Um, I say, oh, that's dodgy sometimes. Uh-huh. And yeah, my English is definitely influenced by the English speakers around me, but also by speaking with non-native speakers. True, And so uh, my language kind of naturally cleans up, not necessarily like curse words, but I simplify my speech, I think, more. Definitely. Actually, (laughs) I had a friend when I was in Korea who, when we got there, this friend had been there for about two years, and I was talking to her about a field trip that I went on with my school, and she hadn't gone. And we were teaching at a kindergarten, and I'm telling her about this field trip. We'd gone on a train somewhere, and my friend goes, Do you mean like a choo-choo train? I was like, 
Yes, a choo-choo tree. <laughs> You've been teaching small children for far too long. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, and I find also sometimes I say things maybe differently than I would normally say them because mm-hmm. I'm hearing it from foreign speakers a lot. Yeah. Or, yeah, even sometimes incorrect. Hmm. For example, the thing that I sometimes say that I can think of is we were four or we were we were five instead uh, of like mm-hmm. there were five of us or there were four of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which Spanish speakers always say, like, Uh, we are five. And that in English doesn't make any sense because that sounds like your age. Yeah. (laughs) But I say it either because it's easier for the other person to understand or Mm -hmm. it just is stuck in my ear now. So Yeah, exactly. Another thing this article actually said was the more language mixing you do, the harder it is to start speaking exclusively in that language. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what's happening with your English as well. Like you're mixing between the English you speak with non-native speakers and the English that you would be speaking if you were just like at home yeah. in the U.S. But same when I'm with Germans, Germans understand a lot of English. And so if I don't know something in German, a German word, I'll like use the English word without really thinking much about it. But I know, mm-hmm. I know that's not helping my skills at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for it's sure. It's true. Then it's harder to only use German. Yeah, I think I was doing that sometimes yesterday. Really, I was with a friend from Croatia, and she speaks English, but we were speaking Spanish. And sometimes I would just think of like a phrase in English that just sounds better, mm-hmm. or I didn't exactly know how to say it, so I would just say like whatever and right yeah it's not exactly like she can help me because (laughs) we're both non-native speakers so Mm -hmm. yeah that's fun but yeah I have a friend here who tends to like she's been in China for maybe five years and like it happens a lot that she'll say a word and she'll look at me kind of funny and sometimes she'll have mispronounced the word and I'll be like, that's not how you say that. And it won't be like a very uncommon word either. <laughs> but she'll be like, I've only seen that written. I've, I've, I really haven't heard it spoken much. And just because she's been here for so long. Yeah. And it just isn't very normal for her. The other day she said faux pas. And she looked at me like, faux pas. And I was like, yes, that's right. <laughs> Technically French, but yeah. 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 That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool article. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as always, we'll link that up so you can read the full thing for yourself if you like. Yeah. Yeah. And if you speak another language and have experienced losing some of your native tongue, we would definitely like to hear that as well. Mm -hmm. Tell us your experience in the comments. I know when I was constantly speaking Spanish or German, that happened. It would usually be just a word here and there. Yeah. Or a sentence structure, especially with German. Like, the sentence structure is really different. And I would start saying a sentence in English and being like, oh, no, I can't go anywhere with this because I started using the wrong structure. (laughs) So, but it's never been really extreme for me. Yeah, me neither. Cool. Well, so let's get into our main topic now. Mm -hmm. which is saving money on traveling. 
So we have a lot of tips here. First, when you're buying tickets, make sure you check peak seasons. So try to go against the crowd. <laughs> have you done this before? Mm, a little, yeah. Like going to a cold place in the cold oh, season. God. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just really hard to do. I mean, yeah, yeah, actually, I've been to really hot places that are technically off-season yeah. in the summer because people tend to go there when it's... Like, I'm thinking in Mexico, mm-hmm. It was we were there in June, July, and it's kind of off-season for them. Right. But, I mean... It's kind of hard to do sometimes because, especially going to a cold place, I would only want to go in the summer, really. Right, yeah. And where's the only place you would really want to go to the cold for? Maybe a ski resort when, you know, that place is also going to be totally packed. Yeah, exactly. a lot of people are going to want tickets there. Right. Summer is generally the most expensive time to fly, so it's good to travel during December, January, February, or early December and then January, February. Right, excluding the the Christmas and New Year's holidays. (laughs) Right, yeah. But actually, if there is one caveat to that, if you're going to fly around Asia during January, February, that's usually Lunar right. Lunar New Year, and that's also, there are going to be a lot of things that are booked up, so prices will be higher, so definitely yeah. consider festivals <laughs> when you're booking things. Yeah, definitely. I guess if you're going for that purpose, then yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. you don't really have a choice, but if your goal is just to go to that location or to that Mm -hmm. destination then (laughs) maybe book around yeah definitely so the second tip actually kind of has to do with that if you check sky scanner you don't have to choose your destination you can just say i want to go during these times is that right yeah um i think you can choose for a specific location or i don't know i've never used just like I always have a destination in mind, usually. Yeah, me too. I guess I have I have looked around to see like where it would be cheap to fly and Yeah. But I've done that like on Ryanair or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another tricky thing, like deciding that you're gonna be open to a certain place. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, when I lived in Korea, if I had a five day holiday I would be like, Okay, I'm going on this five day holiday, I don't know where. So in that case I kind of found where the cheapest and most direct flights went to. Mm-hmm. And that can be really nice. Yeah, that can save you a lot of money if you're flexible mm-hmm. on your location and also on your dates. Yeah. Because I guess we can get right into this. Mm-hmm. The best times to book and the best times to to travel. Yeah. So it's better to depart either Sunday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then return on Monday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So if you're trying to take a weekend trip and booking Friday to Sunday, you're probably going to pay a lot. Mm -hmm, But if you can be a little bit more flexible, taking a day or two at the beginning and at the end, Mm -hmm. then you can probably save quite a bit of money. Yeah, I find flying on Tuesdays, Wednesdays are usually like the cheapest days to fly. Definitely. Yeah, we're flying um, Wednesday this week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was like 30 bucks. So oh my god, flying to Berlin. That's amazing. 30, 30 euros? Yeah, 30 euros. Are you flying Ryanair? Yeah. Oh, and on the way back, I think we're flying maybe EasyJet or something. Okay. 
I can't remember if it's Ryanair or EasyJet, but anyway, it was like 60 bucks, so. Yeah, there are so many great discount airlines in Europe. It's mm-hmm. like, it's yeah. awesome. So yeah, if you can fly on those days, it's probably going to save you some money. Yeah. So we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, Mm -hmm. but using destination search engines, so for example, Skyscanner, CheapCaribbean.com, or TravelZoo, Uh, those allow you to choose rough dates that you want to go, and it'll search for the cheapest option, and then you can book your destination from there. Instead of having a set destination in mind, like, I need to go to Poland or something. Right. Um, You just say, like, I want to go in August somewhere cheap. That's really cool. Yeah. So that kind of goes back to what we were saying about being flexible, about destination, dates. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Another thing to think about is to get off the beaten path. Yeah. The one thing that you might want to look out for with this is there are a lot of destinations, like I remember Bolivia was one of them, that is undervalued as a destination. So things like accommodation, food are going to be really cheap there mm-hmm. compared to let's say Brazil, Sao Paulo mm-hmm. or so or Rio. But the one caveat is that getting there might be less direct and more expensive. Yeah. So you might just compare those if the trade-off of time and extra flight money is going to save more than going to a more popular destination where you're probably going to pay more in lodging and in food and attractions and things. This is such great advice, actually. I was victim to this a few years ago. Okay. Seth, my husband, and I went to Puerto Rico, but we weren't planning on going to Puerto Rico. We just knew we had, like, a break, and we wanted to go to Cuba because at the time, it was easier to get to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, the flights are so much cheaper to Puerto Rico. Let's just go there. But if we had only gone to Cuba, we wouldn't have paid like U.S. prices for hotels and meals. Yeah. <laughs> and it definitely didn't pay off. Okay. Yeah, so sometimes it's the trade-off, I think, is worth it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe you pay more to get to the off the beaten path destination but it's cheaper once you're there cool yeah oh i've never done this have you done air airfare alerts before i have a few years ago i was booking a trip to portugal and Uh so i was really waiting till it like reached the lowest point and i got a pretty good deal in the end oh good i have trouble like remembering to unsubscribe to stuff oh yeah because then like you don't want to unsubscribe to it if you think it's gonna help you out and then it just becomes a pain in the butt and then like several months later you're like why am i subscribed to this again and uh (laughs) That's why what you said at the beginning, it's good. If you travel a lot, it's a lot more helpful. Mm -hmm. But uh, there was one that you mentioned, Scott's Travel Deals, or that you wrote down. Yeah, Scott's Cheap Flights. Scott's Cheap Flights, yeah. Yeah, so you can get uh, either a free membership or it's like $29 a year for premium. Mm. And they basically send you really cheap deals. Either like airline mistakes or just promotions Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. So you can get like very 
cheap flights that way. Yeah. I think I have a friend who does that, and he told me about it, like, before we came to China. He was like, guys, you can get a round-trip ticket from Hong Kong to Boston this summer. And we were like, that's cool, but we don't really know when we're going to go to Boston, etc. And it was, like, $150 for a round-trip to Hong Kong to Boston. And turns out, we did need round-trip tickets from Hong Kong to Boston. (laughs) And they were ten times the cost. Oh, my God. Yeah. So book those things when you can. Yeah, definitely. If you are a person who likes to travel a lot, it's worth maybe paying for a subscription like that. Mm -hmm. Because the free service, I think you get one third of the deals that there are. Right. But, I mean, if you're a person who likes to travel, like, several times a year or something, you'll save a lot of money by doing that. Yeah. But if you can't... If you are trying to do it yourself, there are some numbers we have here. How soon to book the flight before the trip or how many days out should you book the trip? Right. So when you book it, Tuesdays or Thursdays are going to be cheaper? Or Yeah. If you're when? at least three weeks in advance. Mm, okay. So you mean to buy the ticket on a Tuesday or a Thursday? Exactly. Yeah. I've found that too. I find the prices change depending on the day of the week you're looking at the website and in the middle of the week they're cheaper. Yeah. And it says for last minute trips it's best to book on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But remember no traveling on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of rules here. Uh, yeah. And then... Hard to remember, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the best time to book a domestic flight is one to four months before the trip or... 47 days yeah it's so specific so yeah we'll just run through these really fast and we'll put them up on our website as well so that you can go back and look at it but for canada out of the u.s books at 47 days out for the best rates for central and south america you you should book 96 days out my god for the caribbean 144 days out yeah it just goes up (laughs) middle east 213 South Pacific, 244 days. Mexico, 251 days. Europe, 276 days. Africa, 262 days. And Asia, 318 days. Because everybody knows what they're going to be doing 318 days from today, right? Definitely. So I think the what we can take away from that is for international flights, it really depends where you're going and there's not like a blanket rule. But if you're subscribed to a service or you're getting flight alerts, that can also help you out in this case. Yeah, definitely. Because it's hard to know, yeah, almost a year in advance what your travel plans are going to be. No, I never know that. (laughs) Another thing to do is you can subscribe to the airlines that you like on Twitter, apparently sometimes they tweet out their travel deals to their followers, Mm -hmm. which is kind of amazing. Yeah. I've never done that, but I might start. Facebook. They also sometimes post deals on Facebook. For their followers. If you like different travel companies. Yeah. And Hotel Tonight. This is apparently an app that bypasses direct communication with travel companies. So it can be a good source for last-minute travel deals. I've never heard of Hotel Tonight. I think I have, but I've never used it. You get up to 70% off standard rates. Damn. 
Yeah, pretty cool. And I assume this would be a good one to use, like, imagine in the case that your flight gets canceled or something, Mm -hmm. and the airline doesn't pay for your accommodation. That's really useful. You're stranded somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, now I understand the name Hotel Tonight. I need a hotel now, tonight. (laughs) Tonight, yeah, literally. (laughs) Loyalty cards. Definitely get those points. Rack up those points. If you're someone who flies a lot, get a couple different ones, whatever Mm -hmm. airlines you normally take. I know I have several. I have American. I think I have Icelandic. Oh, cool. I think I maybe have Iberian. Mm. I don't know. United? I think the key is you need, like, a place to put all of these loyalty cards and keep track of it. Yes. <laughs> I get really confused. Yeah. Uh, I have it, like, somewhere on my phone. I have it written down. Uh, smart. Yeah, actually, um, I guess we might talk about this later, but just in case. Also, if you can try to book your hotel with the same website, like, I've used Orbitz a lot and Agoda. Mm-hmm. Orbits a lot more with flights, but anyway, you can get points as a member of that website, and then when you rack them up, you can apply them to future hotel stays. So I've had a few free hotel stays just from mm. using the same booking website, cool. which is really useful. Yeah. Nice. Before I forget, yeah, sometimes you can check into the frequent flyer mile cards that you have, mm-hmm. because a lot of airlines have other programs like... I know American has, like, a dining one, so you just, like, register for free online, and, like, you register your normal debit card or credit card or whatever, and Mm -hmm. at certain restaurants that you would normally eat at, if you use that card, or you can register multiple, Mm -hmm. it, like, gives you miles for spending money there. I think, like, for example, Applebee's or something like that, um, you might get, like, a mile per dollar you spend there. So if you have, like, a... yeah. $20 $20 meal, you get some some miles. Yeah, exactly. Or also for shopping, you know, I think every airline has their own different programs like that. Yeah, my stepmom loves her. She, I think she pays like $500 a year or something for this credit card, but her she wrecks up points so fast because she, she uses it on gas and I'll go home and she's like, can I buy you gas <laughs> so I can have points on my credit card? So she uses it for as much as she can, and then she gets a lot of airline points, and then they always upgrade to first class. Lucky bastards. <laughs> oh, man, I should have asked my mom, because she has some app. Now I can't think of the name of it, but she's always talking to me about it. Okay, not always, but she has talked mm-hmm. to me about it many times in the past, where they have a ton of businesses that are sponsored with them, uh-huh. and you basically just buy a gift card if you're already going to be going to that place, so like Home Depot or yeah. um, the movie theater or something. Oh, and she's talked to me about this too. She's obsessed. But yeah. they have, like, sometimes it's up to like five miles per, per dollar, and so Jeez. she's gotten a lot of miles that way. Yeah, find out what it is, and we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Can't think of the name of it, but yeah. She'll listen, and she'll be like, it's this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then Priceline's name your own price. I've never done this either. Me neither. Some people swear by Priceline. The few times I've tried to use Priceline, I've been like, this is too weird. I don't understand. And then I just give up and go somewhere else. Yeah, it's mm, not my 
go-to for sure. Because you don't know where you where you're going to stay, isn't that how it works? I think so. Yeah. Like I always put a lot of research into the hotel where I'm going to stay before I mm-hmm. book it. And if I don't know anything about the hotel, that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I think they just have like basic information like it got this rating in cleanliness or in mm-hmm. whatever and you can right. decide based on that but it's a little yeah I also like to know where I'm staying yeah but the name your own price sounds pretty cool so you can like yeah. say when you want and how much you want to pay and then they will give you offers mm-hmm. from different flights I think and also accommodation and so Rachel also found this list of travel apps. There were 50 of them, so obviously we don't have time to cover all of them today, but um, we'll put that up on the website as well. Mm-hmm. There were some that I have used the website for, but I haven't seen them as an app before. Have you ever used Skiplagged? I haven't, no. Yeah, it's really it's really nice. Like You choose the flight that you want, and then it has a graph of what the prices are like for whatever days that you choose. And then you can okay. just try to see where the cheapest one is. So cool. That's kind of nice. Yeah, they have a lot in here that I think I'll be trying out for sure. Mm-hmm. I like this one. Air Help can help you get compensation for delays and cancellations. Yeah. Which is something cool. I think that a lot of people don't follow up on or they don't try to get money from the airline. But the airline has money to give <laughs> if you're willing to ask and like... Put in the effort. Yeah. I have not personally done it, but my mom has done it a lot, and she's gotten pretty good stuff from it. Yeah, especially if you, like, take your time and write a letter, apparently, Mm -hmm. that makes a big difference. Yeah, or tweet at the company. Mm, Yeah, again with the tweet box. Yep, social accountability. Auto slash is for car rental, make sure you're getting the best rate. Mm. One that I really was interested in was day use. Dot com. Hmm. So if you have like a long layover or you had a, like a red eye flight, you can use the hotel, but just during the daytime hours what? to like take a shower or something. That's crazy. And it says uh, it offers hotel rooms for up to 75% off regular nightly rates, wow. which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's insane. I had no idea this was a thing. I didn't either, but I that's totally use this. I would use that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you can find a hotel really close to the airport. Yeah, and if you have a flight getting in at 7 in the morning, but you can't check into your hotel until 3, then... Right. Sometimes you can get early check-in, but... Many times you cannot. <laughs> right. In the case that you couldn't, it's uh, nice to take a shower. Yeah, exactly. Just take a nap on a bed and reclined <laughs> not yeah, sitting yeah. definitely yeah oh and then you found this other website travelhacking.org if you sign up and you spend an hour a month uh you also have to pay and you work for an hour a month for them you get four free plane tickets per year Mm-hmm. that's crazy yeah, so this is a membership site by a guy that I follow. That's how I know about it. Oh. Chris Gillibo. He has written books like The $100 Startup, like Side Hustle. Okay. So anyway, it's pretty cool. And if you pay yearly, like you can get plans from like 12 50 a month. So hmm. 
I think, again, if you're a person who travels a lot, it could be worth it, especially if you're going to get four free plane tickets a year. I mean, yeah, totally. You would spend definitely more than that on one plane ticket. So mm-hmm. totally worth it. Worth checking yeah. out. Yeah, definitely something. And I think they have a, a one dollar trial for like okay. two weeks. So you can oh. try it and see if it's something interesting. I haven't personally used it, but I've thought about it. Probably before I did that I would do Scottscheapflates.com. Yeah. Twenty nine dollars a year you get his deals. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then we have some tips that Rachel has compiled. So So as far as flights, we've already talked about a lot of it, but just to summarize again, book in advance or Mm -hmm. use some kind of a service like Scott's Cheap Flights or TravelHacking.org. Also try flying budget airlines. So there are a lot. Ryanair is a famous one. EasyJet, Norwegian. JetBlue. Southwest. Yeah, and... The big travel websites like Orbitz or Expedia often don't carry the budget airline prices on their website. Yeah. So if you don't know what budget airlines exist, then find out what budget airlines fly out of the airport that you're going from first, and then look on their websites for their pricing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I recently booked with Norwegian Air for the first time. Okay. I'm flying them to go to the U.S. in September. And I think my round-trip ticket was like $450. Oh, my God. Like That's amazing. Amazing. From Madrid, I have a layover in Sweden, I think. And then I'm flying to Florida. Okay. So they don't fly everywhere, of course. But I'm flying to Florida, and they have other budget airlines from Knoxville to Florida. So it worked out. Very well. Wow. Yeah, the only thing to keep in mind, which we learned in episode eight when we were talking about travel mishaps, was make sure that you don't book separate itineraries back to back. Yeah. But leave some leeway. Yeah, exactly. If you if yeah. you have two back to back itineraries, make sure you give yourself like twenty four hours at least. So if there's a problem with the first flight you don't accidentally miss the second flight and then it's not the airline's problem and then you have to buy a new ticket yeah i'm kind of taking a chance on the way back yeah i think i have like maybe seven or eight hours in between but well but on the way there i'm staying in florida for a few days so that's so cool well that'll be fun Mm -hmm. yeah um for lodging try staying in different kinds of accommodations uh hostels airbnbs couch surfing house exchange, etc. Especially like hostels, you'd be amazed. The word hostel has such a terribly stingy connotation, but there are some very nice hostels that I would not consider hostels out there. Yeah, and in other parts of the world, you can get like private rooms in a hostel. It doesn't have to necessarily be bunk beds with like eight people in there. Yeah, like drunk 18 year olds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically, I think the term hostel has come to encompass, like, just a place where travelers like to go and stay, and there there will probably be a better chance to get to meet people who are also travelers than in a hotel, which is a lot more disconnected and impersonal, basically. Yeah, but definitely. But there will be, that means there will be, like, more common areas where people will often go instead of, like, a clean, sterile lobby. Mm-hmm. 
And I've never done couch surfing, but... Me neither. I know people who swear by it. And... Yeah. Couch surfing, you're not always actually sleeping on a couch. <laughs> you're yeah. often sleeping in somebody's spare bedroom, which is Right, right, cool. right. So for ground transportation, if you're in a place where you're going to be traveling around, so like I'm going to Germany in a few days and we're going to travel around a lot. So <laughs> try using buses or trains or a rideshare like blah, blah car. So in Europe, that's pretty big. So basically, you just buy a seat in someone's car on a trip that they're already it's taking. Really cheap. Yeah, it's quite cheap. So I've taken it like from from Madrid to Granada. And I think I paid like 12 bucks for that. Wow. <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah. Normally, I think more they're like 20 to 30 mm-hmm. per place. But sometimes it's cheaper than the bus and usually definitely cheaper than the train. And usually more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. But a lot of buses are also really comfortable, too. I mean, in Spain, they're really nice. Oh, that's good. They've got, like, little TVs and at each seat and recliners. Did you ever take the bus in Korea, the long-distance bus? Mm, Yes. Those were really sweet. Yeah. They went pretty much all the way back. Yeah. I mean, these are not greyhounds that we're talking about. Yeah. In the United States, it's a little harder. You can try Megabus. Sometimes they're a little sketchy, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Another one, if you prefer rental cars, make sure you compare as much as possible. That app that Rachel mentioned earlier, Autoslash, I definitely will be using that when I go to the U.S. in, in a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's not, it's more convenient than public transportation or ground transportation. And sometimes you just prefer having that. And especially if you're going with a group of like four or five, it might be cheaper to get a rental car actually than for each person to pay for a train ticket or a bus ticket. Mm -hmm. If you're in a city or a town, look for low cost or free activities. So go hiking, get out in nature visit a park, Mm -hmm. look at architecture. I really like doing free walking tours. Yeah. I mean, they're free in name. You do have to tip, of course, but Mm -hmm. it's quite cheap. Usually they're like three hours. Yeah, that's really cool. I think walking tours are the best way to get to know a city quickly, Mm -hmm. to really intimately get to know a city. Yeah, definitely. Get on, get off bus tours can be okay, but with a walking tour and a live guide, I think it makes a big difference. Mm Mm-hmm. I really like that. Mm -hmm. And just do research on what you like to do. If you like to visit museums, then do that. Yeah. And also make sure if you're under a certain age, like ask about discounts always. Mm. Do they have a student price? Do they have an under 30 price? Do Mm. they have an under 26 price? Right. Do they have an over whatever 60 60. price yeah exactly i'm in a few months i won't qualify anymore for the under 30 price (laughs) so the next tip that we have is when you go out to eat definitely ask locals this is something that we've touched on a few times in other travel episodes yeah but if you really want to get a good meal and probably have it be a lot Mm -hmm. cheaper as well if you're on a budget, definitely ask locals. Don't just go to the main square of the city that you're in and just sit down in a restaurant. It's not going to be cheap no. or probably very good. Yeah, exactly. And if you ask for a place that's local, from a local, uh-huh. 
it's probably going to be cheaper than whatever you find in your guidebook. A lot of times, we've talked about this too, but after a place is published in a guidebook, it becomes really, really popular and very touristy. Yeah. And sometimes they're really good, to be honest, but don't just stick to that as like a rule. Yeah, especially if the guidebook's more than a few years old. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another thing is to decide what's important to you and budget for that. Like, for example, if you are going to a hotel and you really need a fitness center, okay, then take that into account. But if you are going to a hotel and you say you want a fitness center, but you don't usually use it anyway, then don't get a hotel with a fitness center if it's going to bring up the cost. Right. Yeah. I think this just is kind of common sense, Mm -hmm. but you know, just spend money on what you like. Don't feel pressured by what you think you need or what other people expect you to have or something like that. Mm -hmm. If you don't like art museums, why would you go to an art museum? (laughs) I mean, sometimes they can be great, but if you're not into that, I wouldn't spend money on that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. When we went around Southeast Asia, it was really important to me that... We got scuba diving certifications, and it was really uh-huh. important to my husband that we went hiking in the foothills of the Himalayas. So we did both of those things, and those were the things we really splurged on, mm-hmm. but otherwise, we didn't splurge on a lot. Yeah, and if you're a person who really likes to spend some time in the hotel, and it's important that you have a nice one, mm-hmm. then I would say that's probably okay to spend maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. if that's something that's important to you if you know that you're going to be out all day every day and you're just going to be there for sleeping I would get the cheapest thing you can yeah yeah so it's all about like your priorities Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think sometimes I like to splurge on a tour or like a nice dinner Mm -hmm. or doing yeah exactly something like snorkeling or yeah yeah, going out in a boat if I'm at the beach, you know, like taking a that kind of tour is what I mean. Right, like, right. I think if I'm going to go see a historical site too, I've learned over time that it's going to have so much more meaning if I go with a real tour guide who is going to show me like, this is where this happened and this is where these famous people did this. Mm-hmm. That's so much more effective listening to what happened from a human than one of those audio tours. <laughs> And a lot of times more than just, like, walking around it by yourself when you're like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but cool. Yeah. (laughs) That's important to me. (laughs) So, yeah, kind of decide before you go what's going to be the most important thing to you. And then keep in mind that that's what you're going to spend your money on when you're there. Right. Everyone has a different travel style, and so you just need to know what yours is. And uh, hopefully the people or person that you're traveling with are at least somewhat in agreement. Yeah. (laughs) Because it can be hard if you have completely different ideas on the way that you like to travel. Mm -hmm. And goals and whatever, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, choose a good travel buddy. That's another good piece of advice, but I guess not really about saving money. One more thing I wanted to mention about flying. We talked about um, going off the beaten path and going Mm -hmm. to places that don't have as many people trying to get there. Mm -hmm. When you're flying into a place... What I'll often do is kind of see, okay, what's the long flight? For example, I'm going from Hong Kong to the U.S., and I just know that I need to be on the East Coast on a certain date. So to save a couple hundred dollars, I was looking at Boston, and I was looking at Philadelphia, 
but I found out that Air China, which was the cheapest option, had a direct flight from Beijing to Washington, D.C. Okay. And so I, when I was looking at the flights, it was like Hong Kong, Beijing, D.C., Boston. And I was like, well, I could just fly into D.C. and then rent a car from there. So we were talking about being flexible and also know that those direct routes are usually going to be a little bit cheaper. So if you can take one leg off of the trip, that's usually worth mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I don't know. I usually try to book, if it's not a huge difference in price, like $100 or less, I usually try to book one where I don't have like a night layover or, mm-hmm. you know, like 14 hours in the airport or... Yeah. I'm not like flying into the city that I want to be in because it's going to cost more than that in the end to get there or to stay in a hotel or to spend a day just like sitting in the airport. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I think that's pretty much everything we have for saving money on trips. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to using your rental car app that you mentioned here. Me too. I'm sure there are a lot. And we'll link again the list of 50 best travel apps. Mm -hmm. I was looking through and there are some really interesting ones. Okay. Well, um, then I think it's time for... So this week we have another Lost in Translation moment from Linus in China. This time he's talking about his family. So let's give it a listen. Uh, yeah, so me and my family, we have a reunion every couple years, and we were at my uh, aunt's place, and we're all Cambodian, right? She's just barbecuing something uh, on the grill, and she says something to me in Khmer. And at the time, I was just like, I don't know what she just said, but usually when that happens, I ask myself this question. What would make the most logical sense, you know? And... So I go to the kitchen, I grab a stack of plates for her, and I come back out, and she just gives me this weird look, and she's like, no, I didn't want plates. I asked for your dad. Cue laughter. Thank yeah. you. That's really funny. Um, plates, dad, more or less the same. Yeah. That's really funny that he just kind of like walked away and was like, I got this. She's she's totally not going to notice that I didn't understand her. Sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's, it's my strategy. Well, thank you so much for that story. Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. So if you have a Lost in Translation for us, please give it to us. We need it. Yeah, we really want to hear your best story. Definitely. And... If you have any other comments about the show, any other tips for saving money for traveling, we would love to hear them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can comment on the show notes or mm-hmm. you can send them to us directly. Yeah, or you can com- if you're listening on YouTube, you can also write in the comments there. Yeah, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. And if once a week isn't enough for you, we will be on social media so you can keep consuming the content that we produce. (laughs) Yes, and please leave us a review if you have a moment. Please. They're really helpful to us, and we really appreciate it. Um, It helps people find us, and that way more people can listen to the show. 
And if you enjoyed it, tell your friends about it. Yeah. And you can also subscribe to our blog, languagenerdsdoearth.com. We write about our experiences living and traveling abroad. So you can read about more of our experiences there. Mm -hmm. And if you want to send us a Lost in Translation moment, you can either write it to us, you can record it in the contact section of our website, or you can send us an email with a voice memo or just the script. It's languagenerdsdoearth at gmail.com. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.